Over the next few Sundays, I wanted to take the opportunity to look at some lessons from one of the people in Scripture that, at least for me, he's a, a great example when you look at his life. He's one of the few that you can kind of see the inner workings of his heart. When you, you know, there's some you read about in Scripture, you just read about some some great things they did, but you don't really know what they were thinking when they were going through that. But, um, but this person, you can kind of see that through what he's written. Uh, you can see him at his best, at the highest pinnacle. You also see him at his worst. And you know, you can probably start to think about who I'm talking about. But it's, uh, you know, King David. You know, we say we see how he was one of the greatest men of God, but then he made a mistake and he came to a very low place. But what's unique about him is that how he got back uh, and he overcame to become one of the greatest role models that we could have as Christians to look at him. And so, um, you know, I say, we can say he's one of the greatest role models because of a statement that was made in Scripture in the New Testament, actually. Uh, quoting from the Old Testament, but uh, the Apostle Paul said this about David in Acts 13. And, and Paul is talking about many, the many great leaders in Israel in uh, times past, including Saul, the first king over Israel. But then he says this about David in Acts 13, 22. It says, And when uh, he, when God had removed him, speaking of Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom he gave a testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will fulfill all my will. I've read that hundreds and hundreds of times, but still it strikes me. Here's God speaking. This is a man after my heart. He's, his heart is like my heart. That, that just always amazes me because I, I don't know if I could say that about my, my heart's like God's heart. Well, I don't know. I, I hope that it will be closer to that someday as I walk with God. But that was the testimony. And that's why we can look at David as, as a role model. He wasn't perfect. He rose and then he fell, but then he rose again through repentance and following God and, and just obeying him, following his ways, always seeking to do what was right in his sight, loving his presence and because that had been a pattern in his life, that was something I was thinking about with David. It's like, man, how did David do something so terrible and get back with God when people have done things much less and just never walk with God again or can't get over something they've done or done to them or something like that? But, but you know, David was able to come back to God because he knew the way to God so well. He knew what it was like to to come to God's presence day after day, to spend time in front of him and in his word, he loved the law of the Lord. He knew the way there well. And the question is, how do, how do we know how we're going to do in the storms of life, in the trials, and when we're tested and we go through these difficulties? Uh, you know, are we going to make it? Are we able gonna, to, to find God as our refuge so that he's hiding us through those and we make it through all the storms of life? Well, we will if we become like David and we beat a path, we establish a path 
or a highway. We can turn it into a highway because we, we travel it so much. To establish a pattern of seeking God and spending time in his presence. You know, you'll find God when you've already been doing it, you know, finding him a lot in your life. But like Saul, you can kind of read between the lines about the, the King Saul's life and you kind of get the sense he didn't seek God a lot. And so when he tried to find him at the end of his life after not seeking God, he didn't find him because he had been walking in wickedness. And God said, well, you wanted to go that way. I'll let you go that way. And by the time he wanted to, he realized, oh, I need God. It was too late because he had committed himself to that way. And so, you know, we can take that lesson from David that we might make mistakes and well, we will make mistakes in life. But if we set a pattern of always coming to God and spending time in his presence and hearing his voice and, you know, sometimes we have to come to God and say, Lord, I messed up. Lord, I'm sorry. Cleanse me. Change me. Change this area that I see is in me. We can find refuge in him through the storms because it's a well-worn path. But something we see in David's life, uh, you know, is that that pathway to God was established through many lessons, through many experiences that he had. Some of them were good. A lot of them were unpleasant that he had to go through. Um, you know, he was, he was running for his life for about 10 years in the wilderness. You think about that. Here's a young boy who loved God. He was anointed to overcome Goliath. He only did what was right. You know, he didn't do what was wrong. He didn't deserve it, but he just he was anointed by God and and all Saul did was get jealous of him and try to kill him for the next 10 years. Can you imagine what that's like? You're on the run because you just did what was right for 10 years. But you know, that did something in him. It produced something in his heart that caused him to seek God with everything that was in him. Well, he had to because if he didn't, he wouldn't have made it. He wouldn't have been preserved. And so he learned to make God his refuge. And we can see so often in the Psalms how David talks about it. Um, he des describes God as, his, as the rock that he would run to. And he's using that kind of as, a, as an illustration because in his personal life, he had to run to the rocks, right? And if you've ever seen pictures of Israel in the southern Judah, it's a wilderness, but it's not like just sand. There's lots of mountains and rocks and, you know, it's pretty barren, but you can be in, a, in one valley and be kind of hidden and then you can go and find another valley. And so Saul's army would be on one side of a mountain and he'd, he'd go hide in a valley he knew and his army at the other side and the rocks were the, his only salvation in the natural if you can say that. He literally went to the rocks for protection. You know, he knew some, he knew some hideouts where he could hold, hide his whole army and family. And so he learned that when trouble came, he had to go to the rock. But actually what he learned was that the Lord was a better protection than even the rocks because God would preserve him. He would warn him when trouble was coming and preserve him. And so that's how he describes God as my rock and my fortress. We could read about that in several 
verses in the Psalms. One's in Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. He's my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. He is my high tower. Now, all of those things he could have found in the natural, but if he didn't have God, he had no guarantee. He looked at God and said, Lord, you're my guarantee. I'm not going to put my faith in these other things in the natural. You know, some people see what's going on and so they say, well, what can I do in the natural that'll, that'll make me feel safe? You know, and there's things that we do because we're, you know, we want to be wise and prepare and we don't do, we don't want to go out and do stupid things. But yet we realize the only God is going to keep us safe. Only God is the one who can be our protector. And so we trust in him. Another Psalm, Psalm 61 and verse 2, it says, When my heart is overwhelmed, I have a feeling that happened a lot for David. When someone's seeking your life time after time, it's overwhelming. And he had like 600 men that were looking to him for help too. And maybe the, even some of their families were with them. That would be overwhelming. And they weren't happy-go-lucky people either. right? Remember what the Bible says? They were those in distress, in debt, and they were discontent. They said, well, David's out there. Let's join ourselves with him. So that was quite a crew that, that was joined with David. But he said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher. Lead me to that higher rock, the rock that's higher than me. And so David was able to make God's presence his place of safety, comfort, protection. And that's what sets him apart. And why we can look at his life, because that's what God wants to allow us to do in our relationship with him, to look to him in such a way so that, you know, I, I catch myself sometimes I, I just, I'm a solution oriented person. If I have a problem, okay, let's find a solution fast so we can just get this over with and enjoy life. Right. And so we tend to do that. Well, let me find a solution and you know, we can do that, but sometimes we can strive when there is not a solution and God is the only solution. Sometimes he will design situations we go through to realize we can't do it on our own and we need him. And so we have to learn to look to him. And so I want to look at some other verses from another psalm. Psalm 62 uh, shows us in a little more detail how David made the Lord his rock. And it says this, Psalm 62, in the, in the very first verse, it says, Truly my soul waits upon God. From him comes my salvation. And so David is just kind of showing us his heart and how he learned to wait on God. And so there's an, there's an aspect of coming into his presence that requires something. Waiting. Doesn't everyone love to wait? Isn't that our favorite occupation? Well, maybe if you have you know, all your gadgets set up and it's like, then, then it's better waiting. But if you don't have anything, you're just sitting there. Oh man, I hate waiting. But I, I don't like waiting myself. We like things now. I have a constant reminder of that every day. His name is Boaz. He's my cat. When it's anywhere near a mealtime, he does not like to wait. He'll come and wake me up. He'll come and purr on my head if it's breakfast or he'll come and let me know if it's dinner time and circle my legs and all sorts of stuff. He doesn't like waiting. You know, at, 
until he's fed. Uh, now, there is a principle in prayer of where we can seek God and we give him no rest and we just can seek, knock and keep on knocking. But when it comes to finding our strength and safety in God, our stability, we have to learn to wait for him. Wait upon him, wait for him, wait in his presence, wait for him to move. Because we want him to move sometimes in our time frame when he has his own and, and his is the, the perfect one. Ours is the imperfect one. I remember a story that uh, the president of our fellowship, Pastor Tucker, shared um, how he was on a trip to West Africa and he was with some of the missionaries there and they were invited to, to have an audience with a local king or the king of, a, of, of the local tribe, which was a big deal around there. And so they were brought into a waiting room, waiting for an audience with the king and they sat there and they waited and they waited, they waited some a longer. And they, he started to think, what is going on here? We had an appointment to meet with the king, but the king is just keeping us here in the waiting room. And as he was sitting there, he said, God started to speak to his heart. And, and he said, you know, there's an aspect I want you to learn about this, that sometimes you have to wait for the king. You can't make the king operate on your schedule you have to operate on the schedule of the king. And that requires some, some waiting, some trusting, some yielding to God. In fact, the literal interpretation of verse 1, you know, where it says, my soul waits upon God, it says, my soul will be silent. How many of us like to be silent when we're impatient? Not too many, at least that what we feel to do. But sometimes you have to pray and make request, make your request known unto God, and, but you don't see the answer right away, and so you wait. Lord, okay, I'm going to wait for you to give the answer because it's the answer I need. And so I can't, we can't rush God. We don't want to rush God. We have to wait upon him at times, learn to wait in his presence. Verse 5 says this, of so Psalm 62, it says, My soul wait upon God for my expectation is from him. You know, we can have different expectations. Sometimes we we ask someone a question and we really want to hear an answer. And we and sometimes when they when they respond to us it's not the answer we want to hear. But that's not a good thing to do with God because what he answers is always the right thing. It's always the perfect thing. And so David said, "Lord, I want my expectation to be from you. Lord, let your expectations become my expectations. I found that when my expectation is, is my own and it's not connected to God or it's not grounded in God on his will and doing things his way, it will be disappointed. Have you ever had an expectation of doing something? You were excited about it and you just got disappointed and when you're disappointed, it just feels so terrible. You know, your soul is down. Oh, I was just so looking forward to that. Well, it's even worse when it comes to, you know, the Lord and, and spiritual things and things that are eternal is that we don't want to be disappointed because we had an expectation that was not of God, maybe of going somewhere or doing something. But instead, we want to say, Lord, 
Sometimes I've prayed that many times. Lord, I have this decision I have to make. I know what I want to do, but Lord, you choose. Choose what is best for me. And if we do that, we won't be disappointed because his way is always the best. It's always perfect. But God is also a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, who we put our hope and expectation in him. We won't be disappointed. A couple more thoughts in this. Uh, Back in Psalm 62 and verse 2, I want to bring out something here. It says, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. I won't be greatly moved. Now, here's a key to stability in difficult situations in storms and trouble. You know, when we go to the Lord and wait upon him, he becomes our defense and we won't be greatly moved. Notice it doesn't say you won't be moved at all. It says you won't be greatly moved. It would be nice that if we could say nothing moves me, (laughs) you know, but we know in our heart of hearts that we can be moved at times. But, but here's the promise. If we make God defend our defense, if we run to him and place our trust in him, we won't be greatly moved. We won't be pushed off course. We won't become disconnected and just tossed up and down. In fact, that's kind of a good illustration. You know, a ship with an anchor in the ocean, it's still going to go up and down, isn't it? It's still going to be moved, but yet that anchor keeps it kind of centrally in the same place. depends on how deep the water is. If it can make contact with the bottom, that helps it, and it just keeps it from just being blown off course. It's still moved, but God can keep us in our place as we trust in him. And, you know, you think about Peter is a good example of that. You see that progression when he was younger, he could be moved when he was a young disciple. It, you know, at one point he said, Lord, you're this Christ, the son of God. And then at the next point, you know, Satan speaking through him saying, you're not supposed to go to the cross. And Jesus had to rebuke him for that. Then later on, he becomes one of the great leaders of the church, but he's still able to be moved a little bit because the, when the, the Pharisees come and he's like, oh, I, I can't be seen with Gentiles. And he goes back. Peter had to correct, or Paul had to correct him. But then at the end of his life, Peter is really comes into that place of being the rock upon which the church is is founded. He's not moved anymore. He's willing to do whatever it takes for the Lord. And actually, you can see a progression. And so it starts off in verse two. You won't be greatly moved, but then look at look at what it says in verse six. It says, he is my rock and my salvation. He's my defense. I shall not be moved. You see, that's where God can bring us to. In in God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. Here's the difference. It depends on how connected to God we are. We can be connected with an anchor and a chain, but there's still some movement there, right? Right? You can still kind of be moved around with the wind and the waves, but when you're founded upon the rock, when you're attached to it, when your foundation is totally connected to God, the rock doesn't move. It stays there in the storm. And so there's that progression that God wants to to bring about in our life as we trust in him and time after time, season after season, 
experience after experience, he can increase our strength to, to hold on to him so that we are not moved. Of course, it takes some difficult situations to, to work that in us. You know, if, if we only had an easy life, if we had peace on all sides, uh, we wouldn't really feel the need to run to God and make him our refuge, would, would we? In fact, it's the difficult times that actually produce that miracle of causing us to be connected to God. Um, you know, I, I really believe one of the reasons why God allows difficult situations into our life is, is to cause us to see our need for him. You know, when, when we were young, we lived in England, and it did, I, I don't think we did, but it felt like we toured every castle that, that was there. I, I, wish I, I wish I was older. I would have appreciated it more. I want to go back and tour them again. But, you know, we went to a lot of those castles, and I always looked up like, wow, this, is, this looks old. And they were. A lot of those castles are like seven, eight hundred years old. There's some that are that are almost a thousand years old, like um, almost like Windsor Castle and the Tower of London are close to that. But you know, they those structures were established because of their enemies. They had to build a structure that would last because of enemies that were out there to get them. The structures of peace are long gone, but the structures that had to stand the, the attacks of the enemies and the difficulties and such, they, they remain to one degree or another. Some of them are ruins. but And so sometimes God has to allow difficulty and trial and tribulation to come because it causes us to build a relationship with God that lasts. It strengthens our connection with God, causes us to cry out to Him in a new way. It's an opportunity to run to the rock that is higher than us. Two more verses. Verse 8, trust in him at all times. You people pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge. And this kind of, David's just showing him, showing us when does he call on God? At all times. In the Hebrew, that, that all, word for all times means every season, every season that we're in. And that's important because sometimes in the, in the winter, cold, difficult seasons, I'm crying out to him. But then when the birds are shining and the, or the sun is shining and the birds are chirping and everything's nice, my crying out to God is, is a little less. You know, when things are easy, the connection can get less. But David's saying, nope, you got to do every season it has to be the same has to be consistent where we come to the Lord each day. Lord, I need to hear from you today. Lord, I, I want to read your word and, and receive life today. I want to, to lift my, my prayers to you and so that you're involved in my life today in every season. But then we can pass our burdens to him too because we can be burdened in life. And one of the greatest things we can do is pour them out to the Lord. Pour out your heart before him because God is a refuge. And so there's an aspect of prayer where we just, we tell God how it is in our life. Lord, I'm going through it. Lord, I can't take it with this person anymore or this situation. Help me. And God meets with us and he lifts our burden. You know, he said that if we come unto him, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, 
all that you labor and are have a heavy burden upon you, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. And his yoke is, is easy and light, and it's just doing what he tells us to do. And you'll find rest for your souls. I like that. I like that God cares about our souls, not just our spirits, not just our body. He cares about how we feel and the burdens we carry in our soul. And he wants to exchange our heavy burdens for his light and easy yoke. One last thought. In verse 11, uh, Psalm 62, 11 says, God has spoken twi once, twice have I heard this, that power belongs unto God. So the Lord had spoken it to David. It, it seems many times true power is found in God. True power to overcome, true power to fight, true power to stand in the storms. You know, we might serve a God who's invisible. We can't see him with our eyes. We can only trust in him by faith. We can only hear him in his still small voice in our hearts as we're listening. You know, we kind of hear, feel the Holy Spirit saying, this is the way, walk in it. Even though we can't see, there's power if we believe and we walk in that. And so God wants to bring us to a place where we experience his power as we make him our stronghold and as we look to him. As we make him the place to run to and we establish that way as a highway. You know, the only way that it's worth making a highway is if people go on that road a lot, right? If, if you have a, a long driveway and you're the only one going on it, there's a little chance of the county making that highway. But if you're going on, on something day by day, you'll establish that highway, making him that place to run to. And that's where the power comes. Like Paul said in Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. <laughs> and so King David and his life is something we can look to, something that can be a role model for us, something to model our life after because he learned that God is someone he could trust in, someone he could run to and find refuge in. And in our most difficult situations, if we turn to him, he will not fail us. And he wants to hide us. He wants to teach us to hide ourselves in him, to hear his voice, to hear where he wants to lead us and guide us because he is the rock of Israel and he will protect us forever. Amen. Lord, we thank you that you are our rock and our fortress. And Lord, we just look to you and what you did in King David's life. And Lord, we just declare that that's what we want. Lord, that's what we desire. Lord, we just ask forgiveness for times that we've, we've tried to find our, our security and our safety in, in other things and things that, that we've done or we, we've in our own strength or our own wisdom or ability. But Lord, we want to look to you. Oh, help us today. Lord, to establish that highway in our relationship with you, of coming to you, Lord, day after day and spending time in your presence of waiting upon you, of hearing your voice and of doing what you say. Oh, Lord, would you be our rock and our refuge in times of trouble? And each day we ask, 
We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.